Um, I saw that actually after last week I was talking a little bit about living outside of our circumstances and then even before talking about perspective, how I used to think that I was really poor because, you know, our power would get cut off and sometimes we didn't have furniture and stuff like that, but then we go to third world countries and they don't have a roof at all, <laughs> you know. It's, it's a perspective thing. And so it's just, I thought that was really cute because we take for granted a lot of things that we have, so I thought it was pretty cool. All right, if you open up your Bibles, I'm in Galatians 4.4 4 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Go to First Timothy, and then I'm going to go to Philippians. I think that's about where I'll stop. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting, speaking of perspective and looking at that too, uh, some of you may have seen, uh, talked about Jordan. We were, uh, we were on the road, and she saw... You know, the little triangle when you get into an on-ramp is just trees and, like, grass and stuff. And Jordan saw it, and she was like, they should build a park there. And I was like, yeah, but it's probably too close to the interstate. Some kids might get run over or something. And, and uh, without even thinking about it, she was like, yeah, you're right. I think they probably need to move the interstates then build a park there. <laughs> like, did not even think twice about it. Like, you're right. Let's just move the interstates. And, like, I mean, that's what she was thinking. She wasn't thinking anything different than that. And so I think that's incredible. I think... There's, there's something to, to, to say about that kind of uh, a shift or a, a dramatic change in perspective. Somebody's pointing. Who's pointing over here? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was confused. Um, anyway, there's just like a, an interesting thing, especially with kids and, and perspective, how they can see things completely different than we do. And as I was going through this, I, I see the same thing throughout Scripture. There's this, and it's something that I, that I dealt with uh, through my early Christian life and discovering how this Christian life is and how we're supposed to act and react and what we're supposed to do and not do and those kind of things. But Galatians 4.4, 4, um, we're going we're gonna to talk also, uh, when I was telling Tracy about this, is what I was about to talk about earlier before I uh, was reminded about the, the videos. Tracy's like, uh, you should probably, I was like, what should I talk about? You know, and she's like, you should probably talk about little baby Jesus because it's, it's time to talk about little baby Jesus. She's like, that'd probably be a good idea. And I was like, well, you're probably right. So I started just looking up, you know, scriptures about little baby Jesus. But the more I did, the more I got encouraged about the, the going back to what I'm, I was already talking about, which is the Holy Spirit and the finished product and what he's actually done and, and how great that gift is. But it did start with little baby Jesus. So Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman. And this is really important. This is something we talk about. You know, God was 100% or Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. And we, we say that as though that's okay. That's 200%. There's a little more to it than that. So it says, uh, God sent his son, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem, uh, remember redeem there, but to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father, um, Daddy, Daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. There's so much there. I mean, we could just, we could just kind of marinate right there for a while and just sit and take all that in because it's amazing. And we say this a lot, um, but there's, there's, this, is, this is just an incredible miracle in and of itself, that God sent his son born of a woman. And I think it's in First John it talks of born of, of uh, in spirit, but born in blood and water. And he's speaking of, of his humanity. And back then, uh, John was fighting a lot of uh, early Gnostics and people saying that God could not come into human form because humans were too filthy and too bad. Um, and so they, they were trying to deceive them and, and, and get them out of the church and really thinking more about knowledge of, of how holy God is and how there was a separation there. But, but John fought that a lot in saying, no, God was man. And he would say, you know, I was right next to him. I saw him. This was real. 
So he's saying here, this, this God came down in human form, and this is important. This is important that we identify the humanity of Jesus, and it's important that we identify the divinity of Jesus at the same time. It's important because this gives us our hope that, that this Christian life is possible, that it's even remotely possible, not just in theory, but in real life, because he, he, this could actually happen. Because it is a little radical in thinking that the one who made us all would come down and be lower than the angels that he created. I mean, that's a, that's a major thing. And not only that, but that he could dwell in, in an imperfect body in an unclean place. Uh, well, not necessarily unclean. We'll get to that in a minute. But that he could, he, could, he could be in an imperfect body and in a human form. And it's important that we identify the final sacrifice once and for all that he made. Uh, the problem is that sometimes we, we, we treat Jesus' blood as as though it's the same as the blood of bulls and goats, which is the old covenant, where we would have to continually make these sacrifices um, so that we could make this atonement and we'd have the, the whole scapegoat thing. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is he finished it once and for all. Jesus did it completely. And so that's, that's the, the understanding that it's, it's, it's the fullness of that that we walk in. It's the fullness of that that we understand. And so when we when we repent or we change the way we think, it's aligning our minds with what's already, what's already going on in our hearts. And what's already going on in our hearts is that, that Holy Spirit that he sent to us. Um, so we're not, we're not forgiven little by little, week by week, year by year, sin by sin. That's, that's cheapening the blood of Jesus, basically. It's saying it's just like the old covenant, and it's not. Jesus was it. He was the final sacrifice once and for all for your sins. Now, we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Because we forget how good he is. We were singing about it just a minute ago, how, how good God is. Because we don't always see the examples of that in people, right? But in God, we do. He is perfect, and he's above and beyond our circumstances. So Jesus' blood is greater than the, than the blood of animals. It's, it's greater, this new covenant is greater than the old covenant. The thing I think about is the, 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 the separation of renewing of your mind or trying to become something that you already are. Because the problem with the, the way that I used to, or I've thought before, is I've got to try really hard to get something that I don't have. And the problem with that is it's like, a, a, I equate it to like an oak tree being a sapling. An oak tree being a sapling is no less an oak tree. It's, it's just as oaky as a big oak tree, right? Its identity is an oak tree. It looks a little different, but it's still an oak tree. Now, does it change? Yeah, it changes. It grows. It does different things. In the same way, we grow. I'm not writing off all practical uh, knowledge and disciplines and different things. These are good things that we have. But our identity is grounded and solid in Christ. It is 100% done. We have to get that because if we're trying to get something that we don't have, then we're saying we don't have something. And that's a big deal. I mean, If we're saying we don't have it, we're trying to, to gain something on our own, we're saying that Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough. We're saying that, that, uh, that we can gain something in our own ability that Christ couldn't gain for us. And, and that's not a good place to be, <laughs> I don't think. Um, things grow just, just like trees, but the identity doesn't change. If we're born again, we're born again. We're a new creation. Your old life is dead. We crucified it on the cross, right? So if we're born again, we have this new creation, and we're, we're brand new. We don't have to try really hard to be brand new every day. We just align our minds with what we already are. And now here's the interesting thing. I think, I think that most people that, that, that try really hard to do these things really really are very close to believing the same things that we believe. They're just a little bit off. I think they really, truly desire to be better and to, to want more. But the, problem, to, but the problem is they're trying to gain those things in their own ability, 
And over time, you can do that for a while, but over time it's going gonna, it's gonna to break, you're going to fall, because we are not perfect in our own strength and our own ability. It's, the Bible tells us that he is made strong in our weakness, and so we have to identify ourselves with that. So we learn to grow, you know, but knowledge and growth doesn't make, doesn't make you more or less righteous because our righteousness comes from Christ. First um, Timothy 2.3, it says, it, it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I know that if, I hope there's no, uh, uh, no real serious Calvinist here because that kind of blows that out of the water, but he, want, he, he desires everyone to be saved. He desires that. At the same time, um, we're, he's, he's not saying we're universalists and everyone's saved just because, but he's saying his desire is for everyone to be saved and to come to know the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Jesus Christ, himself, look at this, human. There's, there it is again. Christ came and he was human, who gave himself a ransom, goes back to the redeeming we were talking about a minute ago, a ransom for all, a testimony at the, at the proper time. So there again, he's identifying himself as human. That's important again. This is, this is the God of the universe. You know, we talked about the, the Trinity before, how they don't just break apart. You know, in time and space we can see that, but outside of time and space, in the way that they are, they're all together. So God didn't, he, he's, God himself is making himself lower than the angels that he created. He's making himself down to be with us so that we can see him. So he's saying it's himself human who gave him, himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Um, this is what Christmas is about. God came down here to hang out with us. I mean, that's a pretty radical thought. But the God that created us said, okay, I want to come down. I'm going to come down and, and make things right with them, but I'm not just going to do it from up here. I'm going to come down and be there with them. But the cool thing is he didn't just stay here. I touched on it earlier. God's greatest gift isn't Jesus laying in a manger. God's greatest gift is Jesus Christ living in you. I want to sing, I keep, I keep hearing the old, I think it's a Misty Edwards song, He's Not a Baby in a Manger Anymore, and I've talked to the worship team, I want to sing it at one point. And her song eventually goes to him coming back, which Jesus is coming back, but I love the beginning of that song when it says he's not a baby in a manger anymore, he's not a broken man on a cross, he didn't stay in the grave. And I, I just love the, the energy in that song and, and how powerful that is. Um, in the same way we look at angels and we see these chubby little ceramic things in people's bathrooms, and nowhere in Scripture do I see angels described at that. People turned white and were incredibly afraid. They were very powerful beings. Um, but we've got this kind of change in perspective here that, uh, that, that, that Jesus is just a baby in a manger because it's Christmas. <laughs> well, it's good that he came, and we want to celebrate that he came, but he didn't just stay a baby in a manger. Um, so we have to move beyond the manger and realize that, that we are the current dwelling place of Jesus right now. So we don't worship a historical Jesus that had some good lessons about love and laid in a manger. Uh, but we worship a living Jesus that rose from the dead and lives inside you right now. This is God's greatest gift. This is the Holy Spirit we've been talking about for the last three or four weeks. And we go back to verse 6. If you look at it, it says we were ransomed. What were we ransomed from? Who stole us? We were stolen in the garden, right? In the Garden of Eden? The, using deception, the devil said, hey... You don't have enough. You're not good enough. Um, I can help you get more. Right? You, I, think, I think God's holding out on you. I, I, have, I, think, I think there's something more that you need. But what was the truth? There was nothing more that they needed, really. 
They were, they were very good where they were. So the devil said that we weren't okay when we really were. He made us think we needed to be better, like we needed to be more of an oak tree, <laughs> like we needed more of who we were. Philippians 2.5 says, In your relationships with one another... So this is, if, if, we're, if we're not trying to, to be something that we already are, what, are we, what do we do? How do we act? What's our, what's our deal here? And so we, in Christ, we don't need to try really hard to be something that we already are. So it says right here in Philippians 2.5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Seems like a, quite a contrast to what the devil is trying to do, right? He's saying he is God. He's, he knows he's God, but he's not using it as something to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Look at the character of Jesus here. Look at the character of the God that we serve. Look at the character of the God who came down to hang out with us and put skin on there's a lot right here in Philippians, and we'll probably come back to it. But this is how the devil tricked us in the garden. And the day you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. Basically, he was, he was saying, that was his sales pitch. You'll be like God if you eat of this tree. And he tricked us. And so we don't try for a higher form of godliness. I know that sounds weird coming from a pastor. Don't, don't try for a higher form of godliness. But we have Christ living in us. What, what are you... What are we searching for? What are we striving for? What do we want if we have Christ? And that seems like a legitimate question. What is it that we need to, to be doing and striving and working for? So there's growing in knowledge of our identity in Christ. There's growing knowledge of our identity in Christ. There's renewing of our mind of understanding who we are. Now, like I said, I think there's a parallel here where, where a lot of people understand this and they've just kind of taken it on, on themselves to try to do it. Does that make sense? They, they kind of see what's going on, but they've kind of tried to take back and, and do it on their own. So there's growing in knowledge, there's renewing of our mind and of our identity in Christ, but we don't grasp for, something, for some greater identity. We don't grasp for something better than what we already have. And unfortunately, this is, this is uh, I see this in some movements, some of the, the kind of uh, um, wealth-based, you need to have a lot, you need more money, or you need... Uh, um, that kind of name it, claim it deal, and you need more of this, or you need to, you need more spiritual giftings, um, and you need more, and you need to really strive and work for this stuff. Now, what's interesting about that is when, and trust me, I've run in these circles, and some of you have too, this kind of uh, um, strive and work and press and press and press and press in for more and more and more and more and more, because you want these gifts. We want these new giftings. We want these giftings that God has for us. But in the very definition of a gift, you don't work for that. The, the very idea of a gift is free. Now, do we want to be gifted? Do we want to, to have the, the modern-day operation of the gifts and the Holy Spirit? Yes, of course we do. You guys know me. You know how we, how we, we operate in this church. We want that. But don't try to work for something that he just wants to give you. Now, do we need to open our eyes and see that he has something for us? Yes. Do we need to talk about that? Yes. But we don't work and strive for it as though he doesn't want to give it to us because he does. He wants to give you those gifts. The, the problem with, with working and trying to get those gifts is and when, when you work and try really hard to get those gifts and then you get them, then you boast in those gifts because you feel like you've done something to earn them, right? And that's where pride comes in, and that's where you fall. 
Because then you go, okay, now I've got something that these guys don't have, and I'm better than them. And sometimes not even intentionally, sometimes not even intentionally we do that. We go, okay, now we have something great. And not even that I'm better than anybody else, but we have something great, and so we feel like we've earned it, and, and we've, we've gained it on our own, in our own strength. And I promise you, in your own strength, you'll, you'll mess up. You'll fall. And I don't tell you that to, to, to discourage you. I tell you that so you can, you can find your strength in Him, and you won't fall. So don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying seek out gifts, but they're gifts. Yeah, seek them out, find them, develop them, work with them, but be humble just like he was. We just saw the character of Jesus, right? We humble ourselves to, to, to serve people. And there's a quote, I'll probably butcher it, and I can't remember who said it, but um, I posted it before, and it was, uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit is supernatural power for practical service. And I love that. I love that because that's what I feel like this, our gifting should be. It's, it's supernatural so that we can serve others because that's who Christ was. That's why he came. He came so that he could, he could do something supernatural but love us and serve us and practically uh, and radically change us. So that basically the question is, if, if we're trying to get something that, that, that we don't already have in Christ um, because we really should be complete in Christ and lacking nothing, so the question is, is it okay to be discontent with Christ? I mean, that's the, that's the question there. Is it okay to be unhappy with, with, with Christ living in us? Is it, is it okay to be discontent with the Holy Spirit? And I don't think it is. And Paul says something about this in Philippians. Let's look at Paul. He shares a secret. Paul's got a secret he's about to tell us all. It's not much of a secret anymore. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. This is a secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, Christ, who gives me strength. He finds his contentment in Christ above any circumstance, above anything that he has, above any discontentment he has with his own abilities. Obviously, he had thorns in his side. He found, he found issues with, with whatever his desires were, whatever issues he had. But where did he find his strength? He found it in Christ. This is the secret. This is the key. We have to come back to Jesus in this. And Jesus was the baby that came down. He was born of a woman in human form, the prototype for us to show us that it could be done. He was to show us that it was real and that this is really happening. This is why we don't fight to change our circumstances, but we live above our circumstances through Christ in us. This is why we pray for complete healing and we, we love the Lord and we glorify him in it. And then, and then when it happens, we praise him. And then if it doesn't happen, we praise him. Because our, our faith isn't in the, the, the circumstances, our, praise, our faith isn't even in the results. And this is hard to swallow sometimes. Because we've seen people radically healed. We've got people in this room that are radically healed. And we've lost people that we love greatly, that we wanted to be healed. We genuinely wanted to, and we were praying for that, right? But this is the secret to, this is the secret to contentment is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Yes. Sally, or did he not heal Aunt Sally? If that affects our love for him, that becomes a conditional love that we would have to, you know, 
And that, and, and that was the radical thing that got me saved, uh, that, 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 that stuck with me that I couldn't sleep at night, was unconditional love. I understood conditional love. You do for me, I do for you. Basically, life in America, <laughs> the hustle. You do for me, I do for you. I understood trading. I understand that. But you love me regardless of what I do for you, and you love me in the midst of my messy sin and my messy life. That changed me. That was radical to me. An unconditional love. That's good. Because you are, if, if you're saying that, that we'll praise you and we'll love you if you do this for me. How many of you got, and you could raise your hand because I've done it before. How many of you, this was probably before and after I, I was born again, said, you know, Lord, if you'll just do this, I'll go to church every Sunday. If you just do this, I'll give my life to you. Right? How many, raise your hand. I'm probably most of us, yeah. That's conditional. That's conditional love. And we, did, we probably didn't realize at the time, either out of ignorance or just desperation, <laughs> sheer desperation. Not to say I don't think, I, don't, I think God heard our prayers. I, don't, I, don't, I think he's gracious and he loves us unconditionally, but that's conditional. And so that's a good point, uh, Andrew. We're putting conditions on an unconditional relationship. So we should completely and fully abide in him uh, all the time. And that's the, that's the secret. Um, so we don't try and grasp but we trust and live by the Spirit. Do you see the contrast there? We don't try and grasp for something and, 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 and strive and work towards something, um, but we trust and we have faith that we have it. But what this does, this doesn't make us complacent or apathetic. This is a big uh, attack on what people consider greasy grace or whatever it is, which doesn't make any sense. You know how I feel about that. But that's, that's a big attack on that. This, this Jesus that I know, this Christ that I know, if you get to know him, will develop in you fruit. It will happen. He's the root. The fruit will come out of that. And I'm confident in that, so confident in that I'm putting all my eggs in one basket here and praying for the Holy Spirit to begin to develop these gifts in us. Um, and I believe that's the, that's the key to fully understanding this life with Christ, not just uh, going through the motions and, and, and having lip service, basically. This key is understanding that we walk with a living and moving and, and real Holy Spirit, this God-steeped reality that we live in. Um, so we do receive gifts, but the gifts, are, the gifts themselves are not life. If you're finding your life and your value and your gifting, this kind of goes along with the conditional thing. Um, and your gifting, you'll be perpetually disappointed and frustrated, discontent. This is the opposite of what Paul is talking about. Jesus Christ is everything. And he is enough. Amen. Pride says I deserve more. Pride says I need more. Look back at Philippians 2.5. Let's go back to it. Where was it? Let's look back at this again. Philippians 2.5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, listen to this, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Real love and real Christianity is sacrificial. It means I'm going to put other people's needs before mine, and I'm going to lay down my own life for them. I'm not going to consider these giftings and these things that God has gifted me as something to hold over other people's heads. You guys know me, and I don't have much patience for that. Because there's too many hurting people and people that need healing 
and we're, we want to play church and, and, and try to compete against each other that we're a better Christian than someone else. Don't get me started. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that arrogance. Your, your, your gifting is incredible. Use your gift. Use it. But in your gift, you should be producing some fruit. There should be some fruit there. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be so that you can, you can boast in it. Um, so Jesus became lower than the angels. We talked about this a minute ago. He, he, just imagine that, creating angels and then making yourself lower than them. That just blows my mind. So humility is accepting the gift that he gave. He made himself to be sin so that we could become righteous. He shared his divinity with humanity so that humanity could share his divinity. Do you see the trade there? He entered our time and space to give us his eternal life. Do you see the transition? Do you see how we've talked about eternal life not just being uh, quantity but quality? So eternal life starts when you're born again. That's the beginning of your new eternal life. And so when he says, okay, he didn't just, he didn't just come to, to prove that he could be a, a man. He came to make this transition that you can now have divinity living with you. You can have eternal life now. Does this make sense? So you get everything in Jesus. You get it all. Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Listen to this. He's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we, we may receive mercy and grace to help us find our time to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows everything you will ever be tempted with, and he has overcome it all. If you're looking to your own abilities to beat sin, you'll lose. We look to Jesus. So he came down, was tempted with every sin, beat it all, and then left and then sent us the Spirit so that we could do the same thing. So he's proving to us that this is possible, this, this divinity within humanity, this, this baby Jesus that came in a manger now comes to show us that we can, we can do the same things that he did. We can, and, and even greater things than some of the uh, disciples did. So if you're looking at anything, any gifting, any teaching, any discipline, any, anything other than Jesus for life, you'll be falling for the deception of the enemy. He wants you to think you need more than Christ, but Jesus is enough. Let me say this again. This doesn't mean that I don't believe that God has giftings for us and that we don't operate in the manifestation of those giftings. We do. My God, we do. We need them. And they're beneficial to you. I promise you they are. But we use those supernatural gifts like, I wish I could remember that pastor's name that said that. We use those supernatural gifts for practical service. So we have this Holy Spirit that we have and we, we move and operate within a relationship with this Holy Spirit. Now what do we do with it? Now here's where it goes into action. This is, this is the grace that is the wind at our backs that says, now you have the ability to do things that you couldn't do on your own. Now you have the ability to be bold where you're shy. Or you have the ability to, 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 uh, to teach when you were timid, to be a leader when you said you couldn't speak in front of people, to love when you really get frustrated with some people. This is where we lean in and we say, okay, God, I'm weak here. And he goes, okay, I'm strong here. This is where we go, okay, Holy Spirit, I can't do this in my own ability. And he goes, okay, I have a gift for you. 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 Accept his gift and then use it. 
Simple. It's very simple. We've overcomplicated and made it this very mystical thing that you've got to go through all these little processes and you've got to be careful and be careful of this and these things and don't do this and do that. Accept the gift and use it. Dang it. <laughs> it's not complicated. I promise you. Pray about it. Talk to him. Listen to what he says and go do it. Amen. Duh. This is, this is, this is the reality of, 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 of a, of a God-steeped life. Well, I just spit everywhere. Of a God-steeped life. I saw it like the lights. I, I, didn't, get to, I didn't get anybody. Though. Okay. <laughs> I'm good. But this is the reality. <laughs> this is the reality of a God-steeped life on earth right now. This is the reality of a Holy Spirit-filled life on earth right now. It's not, it's not going around showing everybody that you can, you can do the things and you can, you can have the stuff. It's taking the stuff and, and serving one another and looking back at the character of Christ and saying, okay, wow, I have Holy Spirit in me that, ha- that gives me power and authority and, 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 and supernatural love and patience <laughs> that I don't even have. What do I do with this? Okay, let's look to Christ now. Okay, now I can really help people. I can really love people. I can really do the stuff that I couldn't do on my own. Like I always say this, grace puts us in a peculiar position. He's done some really great things for you to be able to do the things that you couldn't do already. And here's the cool thing. You'll be much happier when you're doing it because he's created you to do those things. This, is, this isn't a second thought. He, in the beginning, remember we talked about the devil tricked us? He had a, a place for us and things for us to do, and we were happy there. We were tricked into saying, thinking we needed more, and we didn't. The same idea roams around in some circles within some churches and ministries that says, you don't have enough in Christ, you need more. No, you've got enough in Christ, use what you have. <laughs> use what you have. You have it. You remember the disciples saying, you know, the, the guy was begging for money, and they were like, we don't have silver or gold, but what we have, we give to you. They were confident in what they had. Be confident in what you have and use what you have. He's given you gifts for a reason. Um, <clears throat> we look at Jesus coming to earth as, as a human baby. Uh, going back to Philippians 2.5, he was, he was our prototype. He proved that it was possible to walk around in skin and carry divinity. But he didn't just show us and leave. He gave us the power to do it ourselves and comes back to the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is Jesus in you. It's the same little baby in a manger that came down, grew up. He grew. He even grew in knowledge. That, you know, his parents found him uh, hanging out with the, with the, the Sadducees and Pharisees and, and learning. He was there for three days just hanging out and learning. There's nothing wrong with that, man. We want to learn. We want to learn more and gain knowledge. But listen, he didn't stop there. He grew up and he became uh, a powerful. Um, he didn't become it. He was. He was God, and he things began to happen in him in human form with divinity dwelling in him. And that in and of itself makes, should make you incredibly excited about what you're capable of on earth right now. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. <laughs> He's not a broken man on a cross. He didn't stay in the grave, but he came to live with you forever. I want to change the verse of that song. He came to live inside you forever. Um, And it's interesting because we, 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 have, we have downplayed our human body so much, I think, in the church. But he calls our body a temple, right? That's right. But our body's a temple when he comes to dwell in it. That's what makes it a temple. Yeah, there's this, this fleshly desire stuff. But when you're born again, that changes. Your, your 
nature changes because you're a new creation in Christ. I'm just flinging this bottle around. You're a new creation in Christ, and so just like we talk about the oak tree, you're still an oak tree. You're still in Christ. And so that's the reality that we have to renew our minds to. The reality we have to renew our minds to is our body is now a temple. So even though we're in, in earthly form, we carry divinity. And so as you, when you go around, this is who you are. You are, are Christians not in theory. You're Christians in reality. So stand up with me. I went a little bit over, but stand up with me. I just want to pray for you guys. Like I always say, I'm, I don't want to try to convince you of a. Tr- I don't want to try to convince you of something that I think you need to understand clear. I hope that the Holy Spirit in you understands the thing that the Holy Spirit in me is telling you. I hope that it resonates in you, and I hope that when you when you get it, when you really understand this, you go out these doors and you begin to, to operate in these gifts. I don't take I don't take giftings lightly at all. But they're just that they're gifts. And I don't want you to, to spin your wheels trying to gain something that you already have. And I don't want you to fall when you don't need to fall. I want you to lean into the Holy Spirit and gain his strength. And kids, we got a bunch of kids in here. This means you too. You didn't get a junior Holy Spirit. You got that same oak tree. <laughs> you got that same living, moving Holy Spirit. When you got born again, Holy Spirit came to live in you, and now your body's a temple. Now act like it. <laughs> So we move and we operate from the Holy Spirit and we we talk to the Holy Spirit and we listen to the Holy Spirit. So Father, we pray right now that that as we leave this place, Father, as we go and we spend time with our families and we celebrate uh, your birth uh, and and your birthday, Father, that that, uh, we remember that you didn't stay in that manger. Lord, remind us that as we, we interact with family and friends and and even as we go into our, uh, our outreaches for, for, uh, for Christmas Eve, Father, that, that we, would, we would see that as we go out there and we, we operate in the Holy Spirit and we just love people unconditionally and we bless them and we show them that, that, uh, that you came for them too, that it's not just a church thing, it's not just a, a building thing, but it's a, it's a reality, it's a God-steeped reality that we carry with us. And Father, I pray right now that, that as we go out there, that, that that Holy Spirit in us is is just just so attractive that people can't resist it. Uh, the word you gave me a few weeks uh, weeks ago was uh, contagious. Father, I just pray that it's contagious as we leave this place. Father, I thank you for everyone uh, in here that that just represents you so well. I feel like uh, every Sunday and and even Wednesday now that that uh, that it's even difficult to, to to try to tell them things that I know most of them already know. <laughs> And I'm thankful for that. But I pray that you'll just awaken that in us, the truth that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.